God, praise God, praise God. As always, why don't we give a clap offering to Jesus in the house on this very special Mother's Day. To God be the glory. We had a beautiful time of worship, a beautiful time of prayer this morning uh, and devotional as we always do. God is in this place. We are so blessed to be here. We're so blessed to be utilizing uh, for such a time as this the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the city of Miami Springs. We're so grateful again to the pastor and to the elders here of this church, and we are so grateful to see every single one of you this morning. God bless you. You all, moms, you all look really beautiful, especially today for some reason. Amen? Come on, pat yourself on the back and say amen. Amen. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm honored by my beautiful mother who is here today. So praise the Lord for that. I am always honored to have her come. And she's, my mom is our biggest cheerleader. She uh, cannot make it every single Sunday, but I tell you what, she watches every single one of our services while we're going live. So she is cheering us on. If you all watch her, go back to the messages. You'll see her writing comments all the time. And, and she'll call me and pastor and she'll say, beautiful word and the Holy Spirit. And she'll just begin to prophesy. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful for uh, a prophesying mom? Amen. So to God be the glory for that. Uh, we are on part two of our series entitled, The Time is Now. The Time is Now. Pastor gave a profound and uh, really amazing message last Sunday. If you missed it, we encourage you to go back to our library and check that message out. I want to plug in. Don't miss next week because Pastor Ricky Jr. will be bringing part three. Amen. So we don't want you to miss it. And uh, Minister Orly will be concluding this series. So we're super excited about that. Amen. I'll remind you all at the end of service, but Remember that next Sunday we are going to meet in the fellowship hall because there is currently going to be a wedding taking place during our time of service. So right back here we'll have some ushers and greeters directing traffic. Our summary for our series is the following. I like to do this sometimes so that we can get a better grasp as to why we name certain series in a certain way. But here's the summary for the time is now. And it says God has a great calling on every believer's life. How many of you believe that? And I know sometimes it might sound a little cliche-ish, but it's nothing but the truth. Watch what 2 Timothy 1.9 actually states. It says, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So the time is now to seize every opportunity. Everybody say every opportunity. Every opportunity that he sets before you. We were talking about that a little bit last Friday during our time of prayer with regards to opportunities, divine appointments, divine setups that the Holy Spirit presents to us. And we have to take advantage of those moments. The time is now to stand stronger in your foundation with God, who is the giver of life and the giver of everything. And how many of you know that now is the time where we have to be strong 
stronger in our faith, stronger in our foundation, stronger than ever before, grounded, as we've talked about so many times, in God's word because the times are evil. Yes? The times are dark. And, and there are a lot of, I'm going to say this in a, in a very spiritual content, but there is a lot of demonic agenda brewing that sometimes we don't understand. You know, we, we tend to see things in the natural, but there's a lot going in the supernatural that's affecting the natural. It's affecting people. And we have to be aware of that. So we have to stand stronger than ever before. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still on Resurrection Sunday mode for some reason. So today, I'd like to go over one of the most compelling stories that I find in the Bible. It might be for you, it might not be for you, but it is for me. So I want us really quickly to turn to Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter 24, that's right before the book of John. And we're going to start in verse 13. If you're there, give me a shout and say, I got it, pastor. All right. Thank you all for getting there quick. And it says, I'm reading it from the NASB version. It says, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. How many of you are familiar with the story? Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Verse 16 says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are, you, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? So basically, Jesus pretends like he doesn't know what's going on. And they stood still looking sad. The Bible says they were looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? In other words, where have you been? <laughs> right? Verse 19 says, and he said to them, what things? Starting to fish Jesus, right? And they said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, the Nazarene, who, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and in all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the, to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping, look at verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, It is the third day since these things happened. Third day. But some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24 says, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. Verse 25 says, and he said to them, this is Jesus replying now, oh foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him saying, stay with us. Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30 says, when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, I love this verse. Were our hearts, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. We're almost done, verse 36. While they were, they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. He appeared before them and he says, Shalom. And verse 37 says, but they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet while they were still, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. And he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Everybody say witnesses. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Finally, in verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. I wanted to read you that entire story so that we would not miss a beat as we continue with this message. The message title for today is Revive the passion. Revive 
the passion. Look at your neighbor and say, ooh, that's going to be good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for opening up our eyes and our minds to understand better, Father. Lord, I pray that everyone that is hearing this message today, whether here at Word of Faith Global Ministries or online, Father, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you live. And Lord, may their hearts be stirred in such a way that their lives would be transformed, changed, and that they will never be the same again, Father God. May this word produce much fruit in their hearts, O Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The story picks up after Jesus is resurrected, as we know. The stone had been rolled away. The tomb was found empty. And the angels reminded the witnesses at the tomb of Jesus' words that he would rise again. On that same day, on the same day of the resurrection, which falls on the feast of what? First fruits. First fruits. We find two men, one of which we know is Cleopas. Cleopas, Cleopas, however you want to pronounce it. And actually, many scholars believe that Luke may have been the other man who alone recorded this amazing and remarkable encounter with the resurrected Christ. Remember that it was during this time that Jesus started appearing to his disciples. Remember the message I gave a couple of weeks ago during the counting of the Omer. Amen? So these two gentlemen were heading to Emmaus. They were walking towards Emmaus talking to one another about the events that had occurred, everything that had taken place, when all of a sudden Jesus appears and begins to talk to them. And I, I see this as such an interesting conversation that begins to take place. I don't know about you, but I kind of try to put myself in that. And we see as these travelers were prevented from seeing or recognizing, I should say, Jesus. And I find that to be really interesting. In my personal opinion, I believe that it may have happened in order so that Jesus would be able to explain in detail all of the things regarding himself throughout scripture, because if they would have recognized him, try to imagine, if they would have recognized him from the start, I think that they would have been so excited and so stoked about seeing Jesus, their risen Savior, that they may, have they may have missed what Jesus wanted to explain. So in my opinion, they were prevented from recognizing him, or else they would have been too awestricken, and they wouldn't have really understood what Jesus wanted to express all the way through Scripture. Amen? So they may have witnessed the death of Jesus and heard that his body was no longer in the tomb, but the reality is of his resurrection hadn't yet gripped their hearts, right? They witnessed everything that occurred to Jesus. They witnessed the beatings. They witnessed him being on the cross, being hung on the cross. They witnessed his death. And they, they heard from the women that his body was no longer in the grave. But the reality of his resurrection had not yet gripped their hearts. And I think about that. 
for, for us 21st century believers, has the reality of the re resurrection of Jesus really gripped our hearts? We go to church on a resurrection Sunday, on an Easter Sunday. We check that off our list. As a matter of fact, it's usually said that on Easter Sundays is when people come to church the most and on Christmas, right? During Christmas time. But has the reality of his resurrection truly gripped our hearts? The very fact that our Redeemer lives, that he's not dead, that he is no longer in that grave that was a loner. Amen? That he's alive and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Has the reality of the resurrection of Jesus gripped our hearts? You see, these two disciples needed what many Christians need today. Like many believers today, they had the facts, but they needed the fire. They had the facts. They knew what occurred, but they needed the fire. They needed the passion of the risen Christ to stir in their hearts. Amen? The Vines Expository Bible Notes describes the verse we read in this way. I wanted to quote it for a moment. It said, they had their theology, but they needed doxology. They were sad when they should have been singing. What these two disciples needed was a good, old-fashioned, heartwarming experience with the living Lord. That's what many of God's people need today, an experience that moves their hearts, an encounter that moves our hearts. Amen? Instead, our congregations have moved all the way from the amen to the so what? End quote. Does that make you say, ouch? We've moved away from the amen to the so what? What many churchgoers seek today is a cool church. Hello. One that's easily impressed with the size, with the number of people that attend, the music, the look, the smoke, the lights, the feel, the what is offered for me attitude, and the relevancy of each Sunday message. And while these things sound good, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not pulling on that. They are good, amen, and they come from a good place. What's missing, church, is a deep-rooted passion. A deep-rooted passion that comes from a place of oneness with the Father. That's what's missing. That's what's missing. If you remember in our church location, we had the big signs here, pursue, love, and serve. Amen? 
And that's the vision of our church. We pursue God above anything, above everything. We pursue God. We love like Jesus loved. And we served like Jesus served. Because see, every chance I get, every opportunity I get, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's a Wednesday, whether it's a teaching, whether it's speaking to someone or speaking to women, whatever the case may be, what I want to instill in every person that I witness to is to have passion to pursue God with all they've got, to make that a passion in our lives, to, to create a oneness with the Father. Because when we have that oneness with the Father, you know what happens? We, we have passion. We have passion. And we, we cannot sit still. And if, and if an open door of a conversation happens, we step right in and we begin to witness to people. Why? Because it's passion. We're passionate people. Amen? Remember the message about the counting of the Omer. They had to have, have, have had uh, extra, have been extra excited counting down the days to Pentecost. Remember that message? They, this, this had to have given them even a more, even greater pep in their step, if, they, if you will in counting towards Pentecost. The extra special gift that God sent to believers is the Holy Spirit on that day. We can never dismiss the Holy Spirit from our services. Can someone say amen to that? We can never, ever dismiss the Holy Spirit from our services. Let me ask you something. And I want you to really think about this for a moment. When you find yourself in a conversation with someone about Jesus, do, do you get excited? I see some smiles already. I know, some, I know the ones that have passion. They got smiles on their face already. Do you get excited? Do you, do you begin to sense a stirring inside you that you just can't stop talking about his goodness? Right? I remember my sister many years ago, we were witnessing to someone very near and dear to us and we, my, my sister got to a point where she began to sob. And this person said, I see you're really passionate about this. And this person's not a believer, but said, I see you're really passionate about this. And it's almost like we wanted to, yes, of course we are, accept Jesus now, you know. But I remember we were having that conversation. We were trying to witness to an unbeliever. And she began to sob. She was telling this person how God is so good and God has been so good to me. And she just started sobbing. And of course, I'm sobbing in the background. But this person said, I see you're very passionate about this. So do you experience that when you're talking to someone or you're talking amongst each other? We had a dinner the other night with a couple from church and all we talked about was the Lord. It was so cool. We didn't talk about anything else. We just talked about the goodness of God. It was so neat. And, and we mentioned it. We said, man, this is passion. I said, I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. Amen. That is passion. Sometimes when I have my table talks, I've often found myself when I, have you seen some of the table talks that Pastor and I share together? Sometimes I have Pastor Ricky on, uh, Ricky Jr. on, and we begin to talk. And time just slips away. Why? Because we're passionate about conversing about the Lord. 
That's passion. So back to the story. Much like the disciples of Jesus, the two traveling on the road to Emmaus had expectations and hopes. But they were not aligned with the plan of God. Did you catch this in verse 12? It gives us a clue. They said, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Did you catch that? The fact is that Jesus was going to be the one to redeem, but not the way that they saw it. And we, we've said it time and time again, right? Amen. But how many times have we hoped or prayed for something or really interceded and it didn't come out the way that we expected it to? How many have been there and done that? Too many times, right? And then only to find out later that his plan was better. And we may not understand it while we're going through the pain or the suffering or whatever, but God's plan is always better. And we have to trust that. When, when Jesus died, their concept about the Messiah was shattered. It was completely shattered because that's not what they were expecting. They may have understood the Old Testament glory passages, but see, they missed the suffering ones. So Jesus' death caused the same kind of bereavement that we experience when we lose someone or when we are disappointed. Amen? The reality is that we live in a world filled, filled with shaken faith and shattered hopes. People tend to put their faith in different things and in different places. People tend to put their faith in people or theology or technology or politicians or science or religion or their bank accounts or their careers or their spouse or their children they tend to put their faith in many different things and they have found that their faith has not been justified they have found themselves wanting so the two men on the road share their bewilderment with Jesus. You see, they had all of the facts about his resurrection, but they haven't, hadn't fully understood it. They knew just as much about the resurrection as we do today, but it didn't do anything for them. We could think, well, my goodness, you know, they should have been shouting all the way to the road to Emmaus, all the way down the highway. They should have been hooping and hollering with uh, expectation of seeing him again after they heard about him not being in the tomb anymore from the women, right? But then again, why aren't we as excited today? Hello. We get excited about other things. We get excited about sports. We get excited about all sorts of things. Do we get excited about Jesus? So similarly, to plug into what Pastor said last week, many times in our walk with God, we put things on cruise control. Neutral, let it ride. Just let it ride. We put things on cruise control. We know we're saved. Amen? We know God loves us and he's forgiven us, but many times we can be honest with ourselves and say that we can become complacent. 
I would dare even say stagnant. Amen? We can easily become so immobile and dormant that we don't even realize it sometimes. But what, what happens to water that's stagnant? It stinks. Doesn't it? Now that may sound a little harsh, but it can happen if we're not careful. That's why this walk, this Christian walk, has to be fresh and new day by day, day by day. Do you remember years ago we had a series entitled Fan the Flame? Remember that? We have to fan it every day, fan it every day, much like the way, the same way with a relationship or uh, those that are married, especially those that are married. It's a continuous work. You have to work at it. You have to work at it. There are high days, there are low days, but you got to work at it. You got to work at it. You have to fan that flame. In Luke 24, 32, the ESV says, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road. This describes what God intends for each and every one of us. You see, it's not just a story of what occurred after the resurrection. It wasn't just for the disciples then. God wants us to have a genuine, passionate, long-lasting, long lifelong experience with Jesus. He wants us to have this day-by-day, minute-by-minute, moment by moment, not just a one-time occurrence, but a lifetime occurrence. How many times do you not come up on this altar and you cry your heart out because of X, Y, Z, whatever you might be going through at the time, and God meets you at your needs, and you leave this place refreshed, restored, and you, you tell somebody about it, and you're happy, but that's just a one-time occurrence. God wants us to have that experience all the time with him. All the time. A reviving of passion and fire that goes beyond mere words. But a true experience where others are drawn to this fire. You ever see a fire and you're kind of drawn to it? Ooh. The other day, uh, yesterday actually, we were driving on... Uh, 595, uh, 595 Sawgrass Expressway, and there's a lot of fire going on in um, that the Everglades and all that. There's a lot of fire going on, and you can't just you can't help look. You're you're driving, but you can't help look. Why? Because you're drawn to it. You're drawn to it. I'm going to repeat that phrase again if you want to write it down. A reviving of passion and fire that goes beyond mere words. How many of you realize that a lot of times we could do a lot of this, right? Do a lot of this, but it goes beyond mere words, but a true experience where others are drawn to this fire. Are others drawn to you? Are others drawn to you? Amen? This passion says, what can I do for you, Lord? rather than what's God going to do for me? 
This passion says, God, what, what can I do for you? This passion says, I'm going to get to church early because I want to see who I can greet or who I can hug or who I can pray for. This passion says, I'm going to ask the pastor, what can I do? What can I serve? Where can I serve? And it's not about works and it's not about doing, but obviously when you have a passion, what happens? Action takes place. Does it not? That passion says, what can I do for you, Lord? It's an attitude of selflessness instead of being selfish. So moving on, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus expounded on scripture. He begins with Moses from Genesis all the way through the prophets, all the way to Malachi. He begins to uncover the veil with the hidden gems of scripture to explain the things concerning himself. Don't you love how Jesus does that with the word? When you're digging and you're digging and you're digging and you're researching and you're, you're, you're wanting to know what there's more to this. There's more to this for uh, this scripture verse. There's more to this chapter. As a matter of fact, there's a lot more to this chapter we read. There's more. And God begins to reveal layer after layer after layer. And oh, it just gives you this excitement how God is revealing such fresh gems to you. Amen. Jesus puts his finger on the problem that many people have today when they don't believe the Bible in its entirety. First, it's a head problem. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? And second, it's a heart problem. Amen? It's a head problem and it's a heart problem. Soon, they approach the village. And Luke tells us that Jesus acted as if he was going to continue on his journey. Acted as if Jesus was going to continue on his journey. Yet, what happens? They urge him to stay. Did you catch that? Something beautiful happens in verses 28 through 31. You see, although he was invited to stay, it is Jesus that takes on the role of host. He was the one that was invited to stay, so they should have been the hosts. But Jesus takes the role of host. Why? Because he was invited in. And what happens? He takes the role of host, and he breaks bread, and he gives thanks. And, of course, this is reminiscent of the feeding of the 5,000. This is reminiscent of the Last Supper. So one of my takeaways from these verses is that Jesus never intrudes where he's not invited. Jesus never intrudes where he's not invited. And when he is invited, listen, he reveals himself in a most powerful way. I'm reminded of the verse in Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. You see, a lot of times we want to use this verse to talk about those that don't know the Lord. But this verse has nothing to do with the unsaved. This verse has to do with the church. This has to do with God's children. It says in that verse that he is talking here to the Laodicean lukewarm church. 
And Jesus is not knocking. Jesus is actually banging on the door to let him in because he's trying to get their attention. Amen? So Jesus is not speaking to the unsaved in this verse. We, we need to know that. He's speaking to the church at large. It was a message to the Laodicean church. It was a message to the lukewarm church. And I'm telling you this day that it's a message to us here now. They no longer burned with passion and fervor for Christ. Instead, they had cooled down and they grew apathetic and indifferent. If you want to know a little bit more about the messages to the seven churches, God gave me a powerful teaching a couple of years back. And man, it was incredible to read what was happening with the Laodicean church. They no longer burned with passion and fervor. The lukewarm Christian mistakenly thinks they're good in good standing with God. I'm going to repeat that again. The lukewarm Christian mistakenly believes and thinks that they are in good standing with God. But what they don't realize is they are in a prideful state. Hmm. And Jesus is banging at the door to make them realize that they are lost and pitiful without him. They have left him on the outside. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, what's happening with the church in Laodicea. And here's a self-check moment. Are you ready for it? Have we spiraled down to a lukewarm path? Self-check moment. Ask yourself that question. Don't just look at me. Look within. Have we spiraled down the lukewarm path? It's a time to revive the passion. The time is now. The time is today. Don't waste another moment. So the story continues in Luke 24. Once Jesus revealed himself to the two, he vanishes. Supernatural moment, isn't it? After having a moving experience with the resurrected Lord, these men, if you notice, they just couldn't sit there any longer. They just couldn't stay there. They had to go tell somebody. So they left for Jerusalem that very hour to share their experience with the others. Our relationship with Jesus is not designed just to make us feel cozy and warm on the inside. Oh, I got those ghost, holy ghost pimples all over my body. No, it's designed to give us a burning desire to go and tell somebody else about Christ. It's not about sitting there and not telling anyone. Has God done something for you? One thing. Just one thing. Has he? Say amen to that. I guarantee you that if I interview every single one of you here this morning, we will not leave until tomorrow or next week 
because you will testify of not just one thing that God has done for you, but tons of things that God has done for you. But you don't sit there and not say it to anybody or share it with anyone. You share it. You have to tell. You have to testify. It's the Great Commission. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I read a really good book, I have to tell people. How many times have I not shared books? Pastor Hilda, right? Minister Sandra, have I? You got, Tish Tyler, you got to read this book. Why? I get excited. I tell you because I get excited about it. Amen? I get, I get, I get passionate about it. So when we get passionate about something, we talk. We say it. We tell somebody about it. So once the men returned, and before they could tell their story, the 11 started sharing their story. I can imagine the room being filled with excitement and passion. And I can imagine them talking over each other, just like us Latinos do, and waving their hands over and over. Oh, but you should have seen the angels. Oh, no, but you should have seen how Jesus just appeared to us while we were walking on the road to Emmaus. We didn't know it was him at first, but, oh, my goodness, all of a sudden our eyes were open and we saw it was Jesus. And then he disappeared after he broke the bread. Can you imagine the excitement? And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up again. Wow. There was pure excitement and passion in the room. And that's what it's all about, Odalis, Marta, Martha, Tish, Lisa, Hilda. That's what it's all about. Reviving the passion. Experiencing a true relationship with the Savior. No one else has saved you. No God has saved you. No little G God has saved you. Almighty God, yod heh the only true one through his son, Jesus, Yeshua, Hamashiach, who is our redeemer, who is our savior, who cleansed us from the filth that we were walking in. It's only him. He's the only one that has saved us from death, from being seven feet under. From the filth of iniquity and sin, Sandra. And you say, well, I was a good person before I met Christ. You were in sin. And you needed a savior. And he is the only way to God. The only truth and the only life. Not only for what he's done for us, you see, because it's not about what he's done. What have you done for me, Lord? What have you done for me? No, it's not about that. But because of who he is. Who he is. He is almighty God. Almighty God. That we don't even stand a chance standing before his presence. Almighty God. The one who wants to reveal himself to us in such a way that we cannot contain it in sharing his love and mercy with others. The truth is that if we all had this passion for Christ, churches would be em wouldn't be empty. They would be filled to capacity. Am I saying the truth? It's the truth. 
People wouldn't be making excuses for not for going to church uh, because he would they would be wanting to be the first ones through the doors. Do you remember how how now nowadays you don't even do this hardly because everything is online and you can do it way before but Good Friday. Right? Good Friday the day after what is it the, is it the day after Thanksgiving is that what it is? Black Friday, Good Friday, not Black, not Good Friday, Black Friday, right? Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving? I don't even know. Right? And how many times, how many, be honest, how many times have you, raise your hand, I want to see it, stood in line for a good, for a good sale? Raise your hand up high. Right? You know, and maybe not for you, but for other gifts or whatever, right? How many times have we not done that? Woken up at four in the morning just to get a good sale, <laughs> just to get that gift. I know some haven't. I know that whenever he's told me in the past, whenever he's told me that, I'm like, I, I need my sleep too much, right? But, but think about it. Or you've gone to a concert, and you go awfully early to, to get good seats, right? Because you want to sit in the front row. You want to see that artist up and close and personal. Hello. Amen. Am I speaking to anybody in the house? Right? So we'd be sharing the love of Jesus with each divine opportunity that he gives us. You know, I, I don't want you to think that today is Mother's Day. You know, it's a great Sunday. It's Mother's Day, you know, and I, I don't want you to think that this is a, a criticizing you or criticizing anybody or or you know, making anybody feel bad. This isn't about that. What I what I want to imparting you is simply a reminder, an alarm. This is your alarm clock. This is your, your 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time you set your alarm clock. This is your alarm clock to revive the passion. Revive it. Stir it up. That flame that is within us. Do you remember the, the, the story of the ten virgins? How five were foolish and the other five were wise. I want to be one of the wise. I want to be ready. I want to be like this. Lord, you're coming soon. My light is lamp. My, my, my lamp is lit. I got enough oil. Who do, you want me to, who do you want me to preach at, Lord? Who do you want me to testify to, God? I'm here. It's like that expectancy. That don't worry, I won't fall. <laughs> Only for the in-people audience, for those of you that are watching online and don't know what I'm talking about. Right? So you'd be expecting. Expecting to tell somebody. Expecting to share the good news. If you recall in Revelation 2, Jesus' message to the church in Ephesus, he called them out for leaving what? Their first love. Their first love. The book of Acts records the revival that hit Ephesus when they first came to the knowledge of Christ. How many of you read the story? Those who practiced witchcraft took their magic books and they burned them in the sight of everyone. Do you remember that story in the book of Acts? It's beautiful. They made a public display of their conversion. Why? Why did they do that? Because their conversion was so real, it was so powerful, it was so tangible. The veil had been lifted of the witchcraft and that iniquity that they were practicing. The veil was, was uh, their eyes were unveiled. And it created a passion to follow Christ no matter the cost. 
But then later in Revelation, Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, I have this thing against you. You've lost your first love. They put it on cruise control. They put it on cruise control. Listen, we know that the return of Christ is soon. Amen? He's coming soon. And each and every one of us has a calling to tell others about Jesus. This is not just a pastoral thing. Oh, that's, I'll leave that for the pastors. This is every single person because it is part of the Great Commission. Can you say amen to that? If not now, when? The time is now to revive the passion, to reignite the fire. It's not a time to point fingers at each other. Amen? We do that too often. It's not a time to criticize one another. It's not a, a time to criticize other churches. It's not a time to criticize pastors or ministries. It's not a time to carry offense or unforgiveness. We really don't have time for nonsense like that. We don't, Gadi. We don't. God wants us to walk a pure and holy life. We've got to do away with those things. We don't have time. There has to be an urgency within each and every one of us. It has to come from here. An urgency, a passion, a stirring, a burning. Was, wasn't our hearts burning when he was speaking to us? If we're in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to reach others with the gospel. When was the last time that you witnessed to someone? Will you stand with me this morning? When was the last time that you witnessed to someone? I know of a quick story not too long ago. Um, Marta Restrepo and Marta Avila were having lunch at a nearby restaurant, and they got to talking to the waitress. Martha opens up, and she begins to talk to her about Heartbeat of Miami, the pregnancy help medical clinics, and this woman opens up, and she shares some very private things with them. And Marta Restrepo just sprung the gospel on her. Just like that. She gave her the gospel. She said the prayer. Amen. She invited her to church. She unfortunately works on Sundays. But that's what it's about. I don't mean to call you out. But I, I thought that was a beautiful story. I was sharing that with me. And, and I thought that's beautiful. That's what it's about. We can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you fear rejection, understand they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. Right? Open your mouth. Now I'm speaking to our church family. Honestly, as we set off on this new journey that we've got going on in our ministry, in the history of our ministry, 
Let us reignite the fire, the passion for Jesus. Amen. Reignite that passion first in our own walk with him so that we can reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's fill our church to capacity. Look around you. No, seriously, go ahead, look around you. There's plenty of room here. Amen. To God be the glory for that. Amen. There's plenty of room. Let's make disciples with the true, unadulterated word of God. Can you say amen to that? Sure, we may have some inconveniences for now. We have to meet here. Uh, next week, we meet in the fellowship hall because there's a wedding going on here. But none of that can stop our resolve. We still preach the word. We still minister to people. We still invite people to come to church. God is still in the deliverance ministry. Amen. God is still in the restoration ministry. Amen. We don't know what's in our future, but we certainly know who holds it. And we have no doubt, no doubt that God is going to guide us. He's going to open doors for us. And he's going to lead us every single step of the way. I make no mistake about that. I have no doubt about that. But church, stir up the passion within you just like never before for the Lord Jesus. Spend more time with him. Send, spend more time with him. Spend quality time with him. Make, make those divine appointments with him. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to minister to you as you minister to him. And you worship him. And you open yourself up to the things that he wants to show you. Deeper things. Deep calls unto deep. Don't be afraid to share your faith and invite them to come to church. If not now, ladies and gentlemen, when? When? Do you know that you may be the one holding the answer to someone's prayer? By your witness, by your opening up your mouth and speaking to them, let's believe God that as we step into this new chapter in our church history, that thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands, upon thousands and hundreds of thousands and thousands and more thousands come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. How many of us can be honest with ourselves and say that we need more of Jesus? I know I do. I need more of him. And you know how that's obtained? Invite him in. Let him be the host. Invite him in to dine with you and take over as the good host that he is. The more you spend time with the Father, the more his love and passion will exude from you. He wants to reveal so much to us. Amen. Can we pray this morning? I want to ask you a question. If you're here this morning and you can honestly tell me, Pastor Yvette, 
I don't have that relationship that you're talking about with Jesus, and I would like to have that. I want to invite Jesus in. Whether you're here today, whether you're watching online, I would ask you that question. Ask yourself, am I, am I handing things over? Am I surrendering it all to Jesus? Have I invited him in? And if you were to say this morning, I'd like to do that, would you just slip your hand up real quick and I'd love to pray for you? Anyone in this place, whether you're online watching, whether you're here and you want to accept him, you want to invite him in. So let's all say this prayer together for the sake of those that are watching online and say, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, be my master, be my savior be my redeemer I know that I am lost I am a sinner who needs a savior so I ask you today to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness I thank you that now you abide in me and I in you and I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me and show me your ways as I walk with you from now and forever in Jesus mighty name hallelujah if you prayed that prayer if you're online and you prayed that prayer we would love to get to know you shoot us a message if you prayed that prayer for the very first time do you realize that angels in heaven are rejoicing because of that one person he wants to reveal so much more to us. Amen. Now, I know that we have places to go and maybe lunch plans because it's Mother's Day. And as I close out today, I just want to ask if there's anyone that's in need of prayer, if you would come up to this altar, we would love to pray with you. Real quick, it won't take too long. Just going to come in agreement with you. If anyone needs prayer, I'm going to dismiss those that are online. God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Shalom. We love you and be in tune with us next week as well. God bless you as you go your way. Happy Mother's Day. Don't, don't forget Fellowship Hall next Sunday, 10 a.m. God bless you.